this company would never think of this idea, but it would never be something that had this kind of thinking. So the kind of hybrid thinking. When you're trying to run a business, usually you get caught up in the action and you tend to think about revenues and profits. But at the end of the day, we're part of a much larger context as citizens, as, as people, as, as you know, humans, if you'd like. So at the end of the day, if you'd like to have a, any kind of positive impact on the world around you and at large, maybe it's good to have a completely different point of view. Somebody who's not from the same niche, not from the same company, somebody who's coming in with a very perspective, with a fresh perspective and a very different perspective, I would say, we would have a nice timeout and entertain ourselves in the audience talking about social issues, how to engage others in social issues and taking them on. And obviously the main theme is how come there's gamification involved and how, how does that uh, factor into social change? I'm Hagar Katz, I'm senior lecturer at the Department of Business Administration at Ben Gurion University of the Negev in Beersheba, Israel. It is important to note that um, we are recording this during a very difficult time in the country, in our university, in my community. So I've been researching nonprofit organizations, social enterprise, giving and volunteering, etc. for the last, I don't know, 20-something years. And I've been involved in uh, applying gamification in the training and education of uh, social entrepreneurs and uh, nonprofit leaders in different ways. To be honest, most of the topics that we, we kind of talked about briefly before recording are, um, at least to me, not necessarily very familiar. So I would love to start up with basics. Um, so for me, as somebody coming from IT and, you know, very much active in the business world, what is a, a social business hybrid? Let's maybe start off with some definitions there or an example if you have one. Social business hybrids are organizations that involve in their core business an attempt to confront social problems and improve the well-being of communities and not only the well-being of the organization's stakeholders or even shareholders. Usually the problem is that most people think about social hybrid businesses as non-profit organizations that have undertaken some business principles, guided now, adopted some business principles. And this is a very mistaken view of what social business hybrids are. Social business hybrids can come from either side of this social business divide. So, of course, social enterprises, which are organizations that use business processes to promote social causes and provide social services are social business hybrids. And I will shorten it and just say hybrids from now on because all exactly. is killing me. Organizations, social organizations, social services can be social enterprises and use business approaches either fully or partly to provide social services or confront uh, and deal with social problems, but also businesses and more and more have been adopting social principles and social causes. And suffice it to say that let's take the most prominent example, and that is Patagonia, the apparel company that not only has been 
involved in uh, greening the world and greening um, the, the, the apparel industry, um, they also recently were uh, passed on to a non-profit organization. 95% of their shares are now held by this organization and only 5% of the shares are held on the business side by the a holdings company, which is only in charge of the strategy, the business strategy of the, of the company. If we look at um, corporate social responsibility, corporate citizenship of all kinds and sorts, if we're looking at organizations that are trying to improve the well-being of communities they work in, in many ways, this is also or part of the process of hybridization between the nonprofit and the business sectors. So it's not just nonprofits trying, trying to be more businesslike, it's also businesses trying to recognize that they are part of the problem unless they are part of the solution. I guess for me, what will be kind of interesting to find out is the kind of the origin story behind this movement. Obviously, it's not driven by profits and margins necessarily. Is there a secret to this? What is it that these hybrids do better? Why would that be a trend in the market historically? I'll divide your question into two. One is the origin and the second is the question of who's better at what. The origins come from also from basically two different conceptions of the reality in which organizations and businesses operate. One is a change in values. Okay? The world has been undergoing since the 60s a change in values towards more uh, humanistic, uh, sustainable, etc. There's been a lot of criticism about neoliberalism and capitalism and its outcomes. And these are changes that are driving part of this movement. So organizations adopt the new more acceptable values and they require some changes in your, I'd say, even the most basic orientation of the business. The other side is a question of, um, let's say it's a business question. It is. And a lot of the engagement of, definitely from the nonprofit sector, because part of the engagement in business practices is the challenge of raising funds from philanthropic sources and the challenges of contracting with governance for the provision of social services. So they've been seeing a lot of challenges um, regarding their sustainability, their business sustainability, their financial sustainability, and some of the push towards social, uh, social business ability has to do with that. But also businesses have realized that it is bad risk management and risk assessment to disregard those pressures and disregard those processes that are undergoing. And a lot of companies have seen, let's uh, be a bit uh, blunt, gotten their ass kicked in the market because they were harming sustainability, harming communities. It started with Nestle and, uh, and um, uh, milk powder they were selling in Africa in the 70s and uh, carry on until today there have been a lot of pressure on companies to be more 
sustainable, sensible, responsible, etc. So this is part two parts, changing values and also understanding that business is better when you do this. Is business better? The evidence are mixed, okay, talking as a researcher, um, but there is something that is important to understand. We're going to talk a lot about the benefits of hybridity to providing or generating sustainable social change. But it does not necessarily mean that social business hybrids are more effective or efficient or competitive. These are organizations that have a lot of challenges. There are challenges about uh, mixing the social and business aspects of the, of the organization. There are challenges that involve the cost of the social side of the organization. So if I give you an example, there is a very prominent hybrid in Israel called Kol Yachol, which runs call centers. They are, they're a call center company. They provide call center services for large companies, cell phone companies, software companies, retailers, etc., etc. And they employ mostly people with disabilities. And these are workers that are very committed, etc., etc. But these are also workers that need a lot of investment and a lot of flexibility. So the social side has its costs. And these costs burden the ability of the organization to be more economical. If you look at it in a larger, wider perspective, in a larger picture, at the long term, I think it is something that is very important for companies and also has a lot of other ramifications such as employee commitment, client satisfaction, and ability to collaborate with others in the market, uh, alliances, etc. when you have this kind of a profile or a persona as a company. So if I kind of imagine that I'm talking to a, a stakeholder or even a shareholder, and my message is the return investment, it may be there, but you know the evidence is inconclusive. How would I convince this person to actually consider, you know, becoming a social hybrid or, you know, pushing their organization towards this hybridity that you mentioned? What I would say, what, what would be, you know, the secret weapon here to kind of convince them? Would that be gamification or what would be, how would you apply this? Well, gamification is an instrument that is used to make this work better. It's one of many possible instruments. There are many examples in which Patagonia that I mentioned before is a perfect example. Every time. They did something that made no sense business-wise, but mm-hmm. made sense environmentally. They became stronger and made more money. Markets now reward companies for those things. So if you look very narrowly, how much money is this costing me without looking at the strategic impact? So if you're staying at the tactical level, maybe it doesn't make sense. If you're looking strategically, if you're looking at the direction towards which markets are going, it definitely makes sense. Also, as we, people who understand the ESG, understand that you just have to do this kind of risk risk and mitigation, even just for the sake of your company's stability. Wouldn't this be more of a kind of an extrinsic factor then? So I, there's pressure coming, hence why I need to adapt and get ahead of pressure? In, in Judaism, they say, which means we didn't mean to be good. We did something just because we wanted it, but it, became, it turned out that we we're also good. The world doesn't care. Okay, The turtles in the ocean 
don't mm -hmm. care if you did that because you want to keep your company st uh, stable or you did mm -hmm. that because you really love turtles. It's good for the turtles. And okay. everybody likes turtles. They're cool animals. It's true. Whatever is good for turtles is good for everybody. That's the safe statement right there. Definitely not turtle soup. <laughs> There's always an exception that proves the rule, I suppose. There's mock turtle soup. You mentioned there's a number of tools of which gamification may be one. You know, would you say that's a successful way of changing people's minds, but more importantly, behavior? How would you assess? Oh, yeah, this? definitely engaging people in addressing social issues is difficult. You can convince people that this is nice. They're doing this is the right thing to do. The big gap stands between the understanding and the behavior change. Now, there are all kinds of ways to change behavior. You can reward people financially, obligate them legally. You can do all kinds of things to help people move from intentions to behavior. One of the more effective ways to do that is to generate not an extrinsic motivation, excuse me, not an intrinsic motivation through identification with the, with the values, because that is not enough. Mm -hmm. We need to generate some kind of an extrinsic motivation at the individual level. So how do you generate this extrinsic motivation? One, you can give them money. Another one, you can say, if you don't do it, I'll put you in jail or tax you. Okay, mm -hmm. that's one way. But these are problematic. Gamification is a way to engage people positively. Actually generate extrinsic motivation that is strongly tied to the intrinsic motivation. They are not disengaged from each other. He understands that this is the right thing to do, but now he also wants to do it. He's not forced to do it. He's not paid to do it. It generates what you might call a hybrid motivation. I'm now enjoying this. It's fun, which is rewarding in itself. It's rewarding me in other ways that are part of the principles of gamification. Something that makes me affect my identity, puts me in contact with other people, makes becomes some kind of a habit. That is the big difference between telling people, oh, don't buy this jacket, if going back to the Patagonia example, it's not good, it's going to kill the turtles, and making people motivated to not buy the jacket, to spend less electricity, participate in contributing to the common good in different ways. Part of it would be to kind of raise awareness towards an action as small as this can have a much larger impact. You know, that's only step one, right? So we still have a gap there we need to bridge to actually internalize the desired behavior at the individual exactly. level. Exactly. Incentivize it so that the, in, the, the behavior itself itself mm -hmm. becomes incentive. Behavior itself becomes rewarding. And that is mm -hmm. something that you can do through games. Sometimes they go to play football, you know, or soccer, depends on where you live, but uh, I'm originally Argentinian, so for me it's football. People go to play football, maybe because the, there are girls on the side that think you're a big macho because you play football, but mostly because it's fun. Rewarded by the actual game, it brings you together with friends and you're, you feel part of a community. So the benefits of games for the individual, and if the game is tied to activity that is beneficial also for the public good, not just for the individual, tying these behaviors into games makes them self-rewarding. 
And then we can see people sticking to them because if you reward people for, for a behavior, okay, the moment the reward is not there or the moment the person gets desensitized to the reward, the behavior and, uh, gets extinguished gradually. It okay? just collapses over time, I see. Exactly. It's going to decrease over time. Um, the rewards have a limited, mechanical rewards have a lit- limited longevity. Internal rewards of enjoying self-motivating into a behavior is something that can last much longer. And also, it requires a lot less uh, of external uh, investment, external stimuli, external incentives, external rewards. So it can become something that is more self-sustained, kind of a circle of benefits. The person enjoys it, he benefits to the community by doing the behavior. The fact that he did the behavior rewards him because he's part of a game and he gets points or credits or his name appears first on the list of the best recyclers in in his town or something like that. It rewards him in different non-intangible ways, creates kind of a virtuous cycle. The reward, the behavior generates a reward, and the reward strengthens the behavior, etc., etc., etc. And it's also good for the turtles. So at some point, of course, of course, but only the turtles, nobody else. Would you be uh, able to give us another example? I I remember Patagonia, you mentioned a couple of times. I actually happen to have a Patagonia backpack and I've had it for a decade. And I don't think I'll ever buy a different backpack just because of this brand loyalty that I've developed over time. And, you know, partially it's, you know, the social cause behind it, the objective of the business. But, you know, apart from turtles and backpacks, what other business would you give us an example of gamification applied? I'll give you an example that mixes businesses and non-businesses. One is um, a game called, it's called Fold It. Uh-huh. Yeah, a game called Fold It. It's an online game in which you get challenges of folding proteins. Okay, it's a scientific online game. People join in groups, they get challenges developed by scientists, and they have this online interface that looks a lot like some kind of a, some of those uh, construction games where you have to build bridges, etc. And they fold proteins to, to resolve those challenges. It's like riddles and they have to uh, right. resolve the riddles and solve the riddles and then they get points and they get rewarded by the actual success in doing, in, in folding those proteins. And I encourage everybody to go into this their website called fold it simple their efforts are used by scientists and medical companies medical pharmaceuticals to develop um, medications and vaccinations that use the solutions that those people have created so one very two very important examples of success of Foldit are that one of the challenges had to do with finding ways to fold proteins so they can envelop the COVID-19 virus and prevent the spikes to connect to the human cells. And in this challenge, people developed hundreds of of possible solutions and 99 of them were good enough to get tested and were part of developing the vaccines that we are now using. Another really fun example is something called O-Power. O-Power was basically a 
called the kind of a social benefit company developed by two Harvard graduates. And they decided to use sort of gamified platform using behavioral science and uh, gamification principles mm-hmm. to encourage people to save electricity. And basically what they did is they used those principles, collaborated with utility companies in the way that utility companies are giving the individuals information about their consumption compared to others, and then they are giving assignments. Uh-huh. And they need to follow the assignments in order to match targets to reduce their own consumption. So it is a combination I- between the utilities, not-for-profit or social cause business organization called Opower, that, by the way, recently got purchased for a lot of money by Oracle, and, and the consumer. And what happened is that they found out that participating in this gamified process where people get rewarded and they get points, and they get credits, and they sh- are shown how much better they're doing than others. It's a competitive game. They, people saved between 1.5 and 3.5% of their energy usage. Very significant. We're talking about 3.2 billion terawatts hour of electricity, which mm-hmm. means they said that um, the game can use can substitute the Hoover Dam in terms wow. of elect- electrical uh, savings. Because these are beautiful examples. And I, in my mind, I kind of wish that uh, we had more of them, that more people were aware of them. Uh, so would you say it's something that you see as a, as a trend, trending positive towards adoption? How, how do you see this developing? I definitely think it is a trend. I think a lot of companies are adopting this because they are seeing the positive impacts. A lot of companies and nonprofits are adopting these things because they see that it works, because they understand that this is the um, normative expectation towards them in today's markets and in today's worlds, mm-hmm. because they understand their damage that they're causing if they're not engaging in such behaviors, or at least they are not helping by being passive bystanders. So they feel the commitment, they feel the pressure. We are seeing this more and more and more. Whether, as you asked before, whether it is for the sake of saving the planet and... The turtles, very important. The turtles removing world hunger or Mm -hmm. promoting a sustainable peace in the Middle East. And if that ever happens, we don't care if it's for that. I mean, I don't care if it's for that reason or because they just find out that it's going to save, save them a lot of hassle, a lot of lawsuits, a lot of criticism, sure. mm-hmm. uh, will keep their clients loyal like you and the Patagonia, um, mm-hmm. backpack, etc. It's the outcome that counts. And, and the outcome is what brings an effect for promoting sustainable development goals. Every company can find, sometimes the challenge is not to motivate them to find it, they want to do it. You just need to help them see how to integrate it in their core businesses. And I'll tell you about something that I did um, at my university. We had a course, was a kind of um, practical capstone course, I don't know, whatever you want to call it, an integrative course. At the end of the degree, the undergraduate degree in business, 
And I ran a course together with a center that uh, was using simulations and gamification to train social entrepreneurs that we started at the university and regretfully was closed down a couple of years ago. But the students, undergraduate students, no experience whatsoever, came to a year of um, mentored process where I mentored them and each team had um, a more uh, business-like business person mentor mm -hmm. as well, because I'm not a business person, I'm a scholar and an activist. And each team was uh, given a company. The companies were usually industrial, traditional industries. For example, a glass bottle manufacturer. And what we did with these students was they assessed the company, its core business, its processes, environmental, social externalities, human resources, etc., etc., for two, three months. Mm -hmm. And at the end of those two, three months, they offered the company between three and five business ideas. Each business idea was had to do with the core, was relate, directly related to the core activities of the company, the core business, mm -hmm. but it also had a, a, a social benefit or environmental benefit. The company would choose one that they found was feasible and, and they liked it. And the students would develop a business plan. So the second semester, they worked on building a business plan and with the marketing plan and development plan and investment plan, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, for this uh, business idea. Now let's go back to the glass bottle, glass bottle manufacturer. The students came to the factory and they were wondering about, they were shown the factory, you know, by the contact person there at the, at the factory. And they found out that this factory has an issue. They only have one furnace. And therefore, when they changed between clear glass and colored glass, for a few weeks, they had hybrid glass. It was neither clear nor brown or green. It uh -huh. was trash. So okay. what did they do with it? They made a little mountain of unusable glass in one of the open areas of the factory. Actually, so big that you can see it from a satellite in a satellite image. Enormous mountain. Now, every now and then the mountain was too big, and so they took all this excellent glass and landfilled it. A waste. You have pollution. You have all the energy. You have unnecessary landfilling. So the students did a lot of research and they found out this German company that held the patent for turning glass into little beads that look, that feel and look like styrofoam. Okay. Styrofoam bowl made, bowls made out of glass. And these styrofoam bowls are, can be used for insulation and for green building. And they developed a business plan for a, a production line that takes all of this excess glass, because nobody cares about its color, glass is glass, to start this production line. And also within the production line, they did a whole plan for involving ex-cons as workers in the production line. Ex-cons, okay, interesting. Ex-cons, so it was multiple bottom lines, business, social, educational, community, whatnot. This company would never think of this idea. Maybe they would think about, wow, we need to do something with this glass. Yeah but it would never be something that had this kind of thinking. So the kind of hybrid thinking, that is the main challenge, I think, that we as educators, activists, podcast producers, to show 
have no businessmen. Actually, you can still be at the business of doing business, at the business of manufacturing or developing the goods that you do, of developing software or making bottles or selling shoes. Yeah. But you can definitely integrate social cause within those core processes, which can also make you more money and generate all the other goods, public goods, environmental goods, uh, reputation goods for your company, community relations. It doesn't have to be, actually doesn't even close to have to be require major changes in your company. Yeah, this was literally taking someone's trash and turning it into gold in a way, uh, if you think exactly. about it. Exactly. Yeah. And it's within what the company just does. So this is a wonderful example of the, what the real issue is. I think we have a trend, but we still do not have enough understanding, education, mm -hmm. mindset within the business sector. And that is the main mm -hmm. challenge. Mm -hmm. And part of the motivation behind running these courses at my university was educating the business people. So right. at the end of a few years, we had 30 companies that went through this process with us. And if we had more budget, um, we could do more companies. Sure, sure, sure. I see. That's a, it's a very powerful example. And it's, again, this kind of virtuous cycle, right, where you take, you change one company's perspective, uh, you push them towards uh, uh, not even a new business, but just an expansion, extension of their business, and uh, mm -hmm. there's benefits uh, at large. That's a very, very powerful example. And I have to say, uh, thank you for, for coming on. Um, and talking about something that's not just a buzzword, but clearly uh, a positive trend that needs encouraging. And um, hopefully we reach a stage where this is widely adopted and we don't have to have a podcast to promote it. It's just something that takes place. That will be kind of a desired stage for me. Amen to that. And for sure, I think on behalf of the Turtles, I want to thank you for your point of view, uh, a scholarly point of view, but certainly enriched with a lot of pragmatic and very much simple day-to-day -day, uh, real examples. That's that's really, pretty powerful. Uh, and hopefully our audience feels the same way. So thank you for your time, Haggai. Thank you so much for joining us today on BizWords. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure talking with you, Ivan, as always. And um, I definitely hope that it promotes the concept and the understanding of the importance and the value of Hopefully. this, not just for society, but also for every business mm -hmm. around us. Absolutely. Hi, I personal thank you. I hope things Most turn well. for, if not the best, then better. Hostages are gradually coming back home. Stay safe and speak soon. Thanks for joining the show. Subscribe to the feed. There'll be more good content coming shortly. And in the meantime, if you want to find out more, you can just look up bizwords.com. Bizwords, powered by Mind2Flow.